0: Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. Communication is key, it's the cornerstone of all successful relationships. Effective communication can bring people closer together, help them understand each other better, and even stop certain problems before they start. In the case of Hiru Onoda, communication could have saved him and the Japanese military a whole lot of headaches. Onoda had been stationed in the Philippines during World War II. An intelligence officer by trade, he had been given strict orders to do everything within his power to hinder all enemy attacks on the island. The airstrip and the piers at the harbor became his primary targets, and should he be caught, he was to fight until death. Capture and suicide were not allowed. Once Onoda arrived on the island, he fell in with a group of Japanese soldiers who had already been stationed there. He was of a lower rank than them and so had to follow their orders instead. His mission had stopped before it had even started, and it wasn't long before the United States took over the island with the Philippine Commonwealth in February of 1945, seven months before the official end of the war. The other soldiers had been given orders to fight, which they did, but they were no match for the Allied forces. It would have been much easier had they allowed Onoda to carry out his original mission, but it was too late for that. All but a handful fell, leaving Onoda the acting commander. He ordered the remaining men to retreat into the nearby hills, where they would be safe. He and three other Japanese soldiers lived in the Philippine wilderness for months, building huts out of bamboo and stealing food from local villages. When they got desperate, they slaughtered cows and ate their meat. Time in the mountains, though, changed them, and the men eventually grew paranoid of anyone who dared venture near their camp. Stray islanders were often mistaken for enemy guerrillas, and killed without question. The soldiers managed to avoid all American and Filipino search parties for a time, until their position was compromised and a shootout killed two of them. A third surrendered to the authorities, while Onoda ventured deeper into the mountains. And no one heard from him after that. Lieutenant Onoda was declared dead by the Japanese government in 1959. All search party efforts had failed to locate him. Then after the killings stopped, they stopped looking. And then… In 1974, a Japanese student named Norio Suzuki set out to find the missing soldier. Well, he set out to find three things, really. In his words, Lieutenant Anoda, a panda, and the abominable snowman. And four days after his journey began, he found him. Alive. Suzuki tried to coax the soldier off the island to return to the modern world back home, but Anoda wouldn't listen he was still awaiting orders from his commanding officer. Unable to convince the soldier to leave with him, Suzuki took some pictures as proof and let the Japanese government handle the recovery of their missing asset. Those government officials asked Anoda's superior officer, Major Yoshimi Taniguchi, to fly out to the Philippines to deliver the orders as he had promised years earlier. And once those orders had been given, Anoda surrendered, and handed over all the weapons he had amassed during his time on the island. For over 30 years, Hiru Onoda believed World War II was still being fought all over the world. He had no idea that atom bombs had been dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, or that the Allies had won. The Japan he came home to was like an alien planet, with tall glass buildings all around him, and cars clogging all the streets. He became a celebrity of sorts back home and eventually released a book about his experiences on the island, how he'd fought his own war on behalf of a country that had left him behind. But he found fitting into the new world difficult. So much had changed while he was away. Unable to handle living in a modern Japan, he traveled to Brazil, got married, and established schools to help troubled kids both at home and abroad. Hiroo Onoda had been lost in time for most of his life. He'd missed so much and had come back to a world he did not recognize. Yet despite his hesitation and wariness, he never forgot his primary mission. Survive at all costs. And thankfully, he succeeded. Its name instills mystery and wonder in those who hear it. It strikes fear in others. Its influence around the world is unmatched, as evidenced by the symbols and signs on our own currency. It has influenced political elections and, according to some, replaced popular celebrities with brainwashed clones. It's also been linked to the Freemasons and a clandestine organization known as the New World Order, which seeks to take over the world by way of a global authoritarian government. Of course, I'm referring to the Illuminati. Its reputation has solidified it as one of the most influential and sinister organizations in history. However, while it might seem like the Illuminati is a far-reaching underground society with a deeply historical foundation, the truth is a lot more ordinary. It all started when an 18th-century German scholar named Adam Weishaupt had an idea Growing up, Weishaupt found a passion for reading and philosophy, but philosophers he enjoyed studying went against the Catholic conservatism permeating Bavaria at the time. He started looking for others like him, folks who also believed that religion and the monarchy were stifling the growth of modern society. He thought about joining the Freemasons for a while, whose group was flourishing throughout Europe at the time, but Weishaupt couldn't get beyond some of their beliefs. Instead, he decided to create his own secret society, one that didn't renounce religion, but gave its members freedom from the prejudices and limitations religion seemed to impose. The goal was not to establish another theocracy. Weishaupt wanted members of this new organization to find happiness and liberty without all the political trickery that he linked to the church. The Illuminati's first meeting was conducted one evening in a nearby forest on May 1st, 1776. Five men gathered together, and set the foundation for what would eventually become an association of 3,000 members. Soon enough, big names started joining their ranks, including Baron Adolf von Kniega, a former Freemason whose efforts within the Illuminati not only brought it publicity, but also heightened tensions inside the group. He fought often with Weishaupt about the direction of the organization encouraging him to behave more like the Freemasons by giving everyone secret names and organizing the members based on a hierarchy of 13 complicated degrees. He eventually left the group, but his work added to the mystery that would eventually elevate it to the public consciousness and inspire numerous books, television shows, and movies about its undercover operations. Except the Illuminati as it was known during the 1700s, never made it to the levels described by authors like Dan Brown or Umberto Eco. An edict issued by the Duke of Bavaria in 1784 put an end to all secret societies not previously sanctioned by law. Anyone caught practicing as a member of an outlawed order was to be sentenced to death. Weishaupt lost his job as a professor at the local university, and so he fled to Saxony, where he ended up teaching philosophy. And that was the end. But if the Illuminati was forcibly disbanded over 230 years ago, why does its name still crop up whenever someone mentions the Kennedy assassination or the moon landing? Well, for that, we can thank one book series. No, not the one about secret messages in famous Italian paintings. We have to go back even further, to the 1970s, when popular culture was defined by counterculture, like Robert Crumb and the National Lampoon. And Robert Anton Wilson... You might not have heard of him, but the work he did with his friend and partner Robert Shea cultivated much of the Illuminati lore that we're all familiar with today. It started while the pair were working at Playboy magazine as associate editors. They and some of the other writers started mailing in fake letters to the magazine about a secret society called the Illuminati. Then they'd write more letters to contradict the first batch, adding an air of mystique and intrigue around the organization. Wilson and Shea turned their hijinks into a popular series of satirical books called the Illuminatus Trilogy, which fleshed out the conspiracies behind the assassination of JFK and the meaning of the Eye of Providence on the back of the $1 bill. The books eventually influenced numerous films and stage adaptations, only further spreading their misinformation to the masses. These stories took on a life of their own, and the fiction soon mutated into rumors and eventually full-blown conspiracy theories. Thanks to the internet, those theories have now grown more elaborate over time. And thanks to a prank from two magazine editors, a failed German secret society was reborn as one of the most powerful and far-reaching organizations in the world. Well, at least by reputation, that is. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities.